0: Hey guys, we want to announce that we'll be on a brief hiatus for the next month or so. We'll be back soon enough, but in the meantime, we thank you for your continued support for the show. Stay safe and get vaccinated.
1: Hello, I'm Joshua Groysberg, a
0: history enthusiast. And I'm Jacob Friedman, founder of People's Big News.
1: And this is Gen Zero's Talk Politics.
0: This is where two members of the next generation of American adults talk about what's going on in the world. Since the whole world is on fire,
1: we might as well take a crack at delivering some insightful analysis and maybe some comedy along the way. Well, as we are currently recording, the war in Afghanistan has drawn to a close. The Taliban have overtaken most of the country, returning almost back to 2001 levels. And currently, the U.S. is in the process of withdrawing its soldiers and its presence from Afghanistan. President Biden has decided to keep the August 31 withdrawal date in line as of now, as we're recording. Jacob, what are your initial thoughts on this as it's all moving so fast?
0: Well, before we do that, I think we just need a rundown of what the hell has happened over the past 20 years. Because, I mean, do you remember what what happened? I mean, I don't think anyone outside the national security apparatus, including ourselves, I don't, like, no one remembered we were in Afghanistan at all. And no one paid attention when Trump said we were, we were withdrawing. I think it's, it's going to be worth it just to go back and understand what happened. The original mission after 9-11 was to take down the Taliban because they were harboring al-Qaeda, and this was during the Bush administration. So this is the war on terror. This was, you're with us or, with, or you're with the terrorists. We took down the Taliban. They fell in December 2001. The Taliban government was kaput. The Bush administration then went into nation building. They built a democratic government, which over time got less and less resources and attention due to the Iraq War. It was kept being a nation building under Obama, who raised the troop rebels after a lot of violence in his first term from 2009 to 2010, and then in around 2014, I think it then became a real support, just a support system about giving the democratic Afghan government support infrastructure support a little bit of security support but not with combat operations not with nato troops on the ground so then trump lowered troop levels and he made a deal with the taliban called the doha agreement in february 2020 to withdraw by may 2021 with some conditions from the taliban in exchange for withdrawing releasing some of the prisoners from us back custody and so and so the taliban would not go after the afghan government and not help al qaeda come back Biden pretty much took that deal, prolonged the date to August 31st with a lot of the financial and logistical aid to the Democratic African government in place. So the military was almost fully withdrawn when the Democratic African government just completely fell off the map, back to the Taliban. And this was completely against a lot of the administration who thought, oh, the Democratic African government was going to stay for another month, another few weeks, even just a few more days. And those expectations completely bottomed out. And this led to improv embassy evacuations, chaos at the airport, and also chaos with the, the visas to get the Afghan interpreters and the, and the rest of the Afghans who helped the U.S. military over the 20 years. So now the Taliban have complete control since President Ghani and the other parts of the democratic government fled, or captured, and the evacuations for the Afghan allies are still ongoing. And today, as we we're recording this on Thursday, the twenty sixth, ISIS K, a sh- offshoot of of ISIS, there was a bombing, there was an explosion, and thirteen U.S. troops were killed. The Taliban and is in is still chaos, but the evacuation flights are still ongoing, and the tal intentions with the Taliban are still very high because they are basically surrounded the airport. They pretty much are instituting back their rule, their laws, and their. Uh, Systems in the country, and it is a complete mess right now. So, that's a lot, a lot to take in. But Joshua, just what what are you thinking here?
1: Well, first of all, thank you for the rundown, Jacob. I think it's I think it's good to remind the viewers just the context behind what's currently unfolding on our television screens. Just to give a little more context and background, Afghanistan, the nation of Afghanistan, it's a very hostile country in terms of geography and for wars. And basically, the terrain in Afghanistan, it's very rugged, it's very unfriendly, and it's very mountainous. Multiple empires have tried to dominate Afghanistan before. Alexander the Great, the British, the Soviets in the 1980s, they've tried to dominate the region to no avail. It's, you know, Afghanistan has a nickname, Graveyard of Empires. Frankly, the United States has just become its latest victim. Now, obviously, there's a lot happening with regards to the policy surrounding the withdrawal from Afghanistan. So President Biden, even when he was vice president and Obama ordered the troop surge, Biden and Obama actually disagreed on that. Biden thought the troop surge would be more of a transfer to nation building as opposed to counterterrorism, which Biden strongly supported. And he knew that nation building would lead us in a forever war, and that's what ended up happening. Right now, opposition to what's happening, the chaos, and the blame of the Biden administration, It's not based off the decision to leave Afghanistan. The war in Afghanistan has become so unpopular. It's not even a partisan division. And some factors, I think, are Biden's fault and some are not. So factors that aren't Biden's fault, the Afghan army. You know, we spent 20 years funding and training the Afghan army with, you know, superior equipment, superior training from the most advanced military in the world. And when we began leaving, for the most part, they disappointed Because the Taliban were able to make very rapid advances, despite the fact that we equipped the Afghan army with superior weapons, with American weapons, and we trained them. We spent billions and billions of dollars on them, and yet we unfortunately could not count on them to, you know, defend the nation when we were to to leave. And this led to the country falling far faster than expected. Another factor that he couldn't control was the president of Afghanistan fleeing the country. He said earlier that we would fight to the death, and that ultimately did not happen there was not really a fight to the death. He fled and had recently turned up in the UAE, you know, and I'm sure, you know, members of the Afghan army were brave and fought, you know, for whatever they could to defend against the terrorists. But ultimately the military and the government proved to disappoint. Uh, Even after 20 years of being there and training them, it just didn't work out. But I do agree with him though, that president Biden, and this is another factor that's out of his control at any point, like, As you said in a speech, whether it be five years before or 15 years in the future, the withdrawal from Afghanistan would still be extremely messy because we've been there for so long. We've sunk in our roots so deep into the country. Their government's been relying on us for so long that inevitably there will be some chaos when we leave Afghanistan. But I do think there are just some steps that, you know, I just think there were some steps that weren't really well thought of. For example, there are a lot of Americans in different parts of the country in Afghanistan who aren't able to make it to Kabul airport. And the U.S. government isn't able to ensure a proper journey to the Kabul airport. As, as of this recording today, there were unfortunately a series of suicide attacks at near the airport, which had killed, as you mentioned, Jacob, 13 U.S. service members of Ga- and other Afghans. So Americans are just completely stuck in Afghanistan. And the, and the Biden administration can't guarantee that they'll, you know, be able to get out safely and another problem is of course the afghan allies those who have you know translators those who have helped us in multiple ways the taliban inevitably will find many of them and the taliban will you know i hate to be blunt but they will likely kill a lot of them
0: well they're already and, doing that um, we don't have reports of it but it's clear that you know even if they're not doing it now they're going they're going to after august oh. 31st and Yes, we've gone in close to a hundred thousand out right now. We uh, since July, since the fall of Kabul, we've gotten stuff. We've gotten a lot of these guys out. We've gotten them and their families. But like you said, it, it's it's a lot of it isn't Biden's fault. The Trump administration, who yes did sign the deal to get out, Stephen Miller broke the immigration system. He broke the visa system, and this was confirmed by a former aide to Pence, who's been talking about how Miller basically didn't want any or barely barely wanted any. Afghans to come to the country. Pretty much everyone except except the nationalist populist or you know faux nationalist right want them in, want want them want them to come because they actually helped our military. But I think it's worth noting that Biden ripped the bandit off. Even if you do not agree with the withdrawal, Biden owns what happened. He owns that this has happened under his watch. And also, what could have we done better? Like, really, what do we expect what was going to happen? Did anyone really I, expect I, I, I that?
1: I do think there would have been things that could have been d- d- done better. I think there should have been more planning about, I mean, how, how did it end up being that we're relying on a single small airport to get out Americans and our Afghan allies? It just simply isn't enough. The evacuation process, while we have gotten a lot of people out, we should have more space. I, there was this idea that was being thrown around, around you know, keeping Bagram Airfield open to have more airplanes fly in, I think that would have been a solid option because the truth is that although we are evacuating a lot of people, we're not evacuating them nearly fast enough. We have a lot of lines. We have a lot of people. And really, the safety of the airport pretty much relies on the goodwill of the Taliban. And today, the attacks that we saw today, those suicide attacks, are an example of how the Taliban now control the situation. Well, really we well ISIS-K is on still
0: around. I mean, that's not... the, the Taliban hates ISIS-K. They hate ISIS-K. Or, like, as like, far as we know, the Taliban isn't secretly going after one of their you know, most you know, hate enemies saying, hey, go blow up the Americans. No, like these guys all hate each other. Like, it's not it's not like they're all coordinating against us. Could Biden have done better with parts of the evacuation? Yes. Could they go on a lot more with the visa system? Yes. Was a lot of people in Congress calling for Biden to do something sooner? Yes. But we, we cannot ignore the fact that the Trump administration Made the deal that Taliban repeatedly you know, didn't make. The Trump administration still, you know, released the prisoners, the Taliban prisoners in U.S. custody, as part of the deal, and they were still going to withdraw as part the, as part of the deal. Yeah, so Obama had the Stanley McChrystal debacle, and they you know, had the embarrassment in the Ring Road, a big infrastructure project that was supposed to connect all of Afghanistan that blew up in their, in everyone's faces, and Obama especially, and the troop surge and whatnot, and going back to and you know Bush. He started all this. He's the one who started all this, saying it's about well, democracy. He, he it's did, about... right?
1: He did. He's first of all, he started with, very, with a very small roadmap of what the plan was actually to be. But okay. the plan, the whole overall objective with the war in Afghanistan, according to the Bush administration, was for counterterrorism to right. go right. in right. and make sure that terrorists couldn't congregate and plan another nine eleven like event. What what happened with Obama was when he did the troop surge, the plan shifted from more from counterterrorism to nation building, to building an independent democratic state.
0: The nation building was already under Bush. There are there are historians, there are books that say he didn't want to do it. Like the Bush administration thought, oh, that's a Clinton, that's a Bill Clinton thing. We don't want to go back to nation building, but they still did it. They still said we're going to put up a democratic government. We're going to still try to institute democracy. You know, like Woodrow Wilson. That wasn't going to, that wasn't sustainable. That wasn't going to work. But I really think the main problem here were the experts in national security. This is to say, oh, all the all the people in national security, all the people in intelligence, all the people in the military should never be trusted again because that's ridiculous. We're supposed to have experts in these fields to guide us on what to do, guide the politicians on what to do. Sometimes they get it right. Sometimes they get it wrong. They're human. Now, we should use this as a learning opportunity. You know, Ian Bremer was talking about this and he basically said, the, why the upside to all of this, the chaotic evacuation and the 20 years of war and $220 spent and the failure to really assess the Afghan army, it's actually a silver lining because we can actually learn from this. We don't have to be you know, Wilsonian, see on a hill, bring democracy everywhere. We don't have to ramp everything up. We don't have to you know, throw crap at the wall and see what sticks. We can actually have new options in order to you know, take down enemies besides just military intervention full-on, you know, full-on invasion.
1: But didn't we have the chance to kind of learn a lesson like that in Vietnam?
0: Yes. And again, we could. I'm, I'm pretty sure the American public is going to forget about this in two weeks. Again, no one remembered about Afghanistan until, you know, like two weeks ago. And this is to say American people don't care. It's just that, you know, it's not in our consciousness. It's not, it's not even like the Iraq War, but, you know, a lot of the attention wasn't here. It wasn't for Afghanistan. And I, I just don't see. Yeah, I mean, we could all forget about this tomorrow. And, you know, we could just be back here again for China. We could be back here for Russia. You know, I'm, I'm a big globalist. I believe in spraying democracy. I, yes, a little bit of but I believe in practical solutions. I believe in NATO. I believe in practicality in international relations. I believe in foreign aid. But we need to try something different in order to get, at least protect our interests, at least, at least protect our safety. Like we shouldn't be defaulting to military intervention. Full on, you know, send the military, send military contractors. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that you know we might learn the lessons from this and the National Security Establishment might learn well, the lessons from this. And even if if you're against the withdrawal, at least with the implementation of the war, if how of how it went, I hope we could take some lessons. Everyone could take some lessons from how this went down, of how the past 20 yeah. years was a waste of two was pretty much a waste of two trillion dollars.
1: And I think moreover, with regards to how this war was fought. You know, sometimes something we, that we can never forget and that we must appreciate are the thousands of American soldiers who died in Afghanistan fighting for their country. And this brings me to a point I want to address. I f- I feel bad, especially for several groups of people. Group number one, young Afghan women and girls. They were born and grew up under American occupation. And it was by no means a paradise, right? I mean, Afghanistan still suffered from high rates of poverty. Corruption. Corruption a lot of corruption. It still served from a lot of problems, even when Americans were in in Afghanistan. But the future was a little more optimistic. There were more opportunities for women opening up in Afghanistan at that time. Now that the Taliban have come in and essentially control most of the country, they all impose tough laws, which will prohibit these young women for the first time in their lives from getting a decent education, from finding a good career and making a positive change in the world. And I feel so bad for those. And, you know, I really think we take for granted here in America the opportunities that many of us have and then i also really feel for families of fallen afghan veterans i mean it's a long war there are a lot of families who've had a father or mother or son or daughter who have uh, passed away in the war you know and i appreciate their service i really appreciate their service it's part of the reason why a lot of the american public was able to forget about afghanistan because we had american soldiers that are doing it for us keeping it safe for us.
0: It's volunteer. It's not a draft. It's 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 volunteering. They They volunteered to
1: find they volunteered to find a foreign land for our country, right? But as the Taliban's taking the country in mere weeks, American lives were lost for all the territory that we had at the beginning and and which is now being lost. I'm sure they're asking themselves why did they die? Like why is all the hard work that they died for being undone in mere weeks?
0: That's why I do understand, you know, there's still lighting in a tunnel. For Afghanistan, if if we did stay in that sense, you know, what you know, we need to see it through. And I I do and I, and I do understand that, you know, two trillion wasn't spent on nothing. You're right, you're right. A lot of young girls were able to grow up relative peace and security, literacy, and be in more freedom. And Afghan families overall were able to have higher life expectancy, higher standard of living, you know, relative to the Taliban. And you're right, it wasn't for nothing. But and again, we look at all this, what Biden said. You know, as you said earlier, five years ago, fifteen years in in the future, it doesn't matter. I mean, the outcome is going to be the same. I I mean, for God's sake, the Taliban was already advancing rapidly since before Trump signed that agreement in 2020 because the Afghan government was weak. And, And again, not to not to take in vain the sacrifices of the Afghan people, the bureaucrats, the military personnel of the Afghan Democratic Military who risked their lives. Who are still risking their lives right now, getting to the airport, waiting for planes, hiding in fear of the Taliban and of ISIS-K. But this this is unsustainable. Pure and simple is unstable, unsustainable. And I, I, I agree with Biden that it just wasn't going to work. It just wasn't going to work out long term. And that's why I think a lot of the criticism is unwarranted. Those images of you know, what the people were carried to Saigon, Vietnam believe 1975, we've evacuated 100,000 people since, since July. And that's not nothing. We should doing a hell of a lot more, but that's not nothing. We've done we have done good work. And again, we should take the lessons from this moment, from the past 20 years and apply to the future. Or else we're going to end up, you know, Vietnam to Afghanistan again. Yeah, well, I,
1: I agree with what you said earlier about how the American people will likely this will likely disappear from the news stories in, in, you know, maybe a week or two. That's just how it works, unfortunately. But as of now, it's been a complete disaster for Biden. This is probably the toughest week Biden has had as president. I mean, his approval rating has fallen to under 50% for the first time in his presidency. It's
0: like 49 It's not, it's not, it's, it's okay, not. Okay, but like, still,
1: but still, yes, his approval yes, rating is yes. The taking look it.
0: isn't good, but again, Americans are going to, you know, for better or worse, they're going to forget about this. Like in general, like the economy is going to be, and, and, and COVID, that, that's going to be the main driver of the midterms. That's going to that's be my driver, you know. Yeah, three, I, I, four I agree. I don't think now.
1: Afghanistan will be a long term impact. But you know it's just not a good look. I mean, people tend to compare Joe Biden to Jimmy Carter because first of all, because of high higher gas prices. second of all, they're trying to compare what's happened in Afghanistan now to the Iran hostage crisis of nineteen seventy nine which i don't think I don't really think is a fair comparison because we are doing a better job at evacuating Americans out of Afghanistan, even if there are still some that we haven't been able to pick up yet. But the truth is, I think like and like you said earlier in the he kind of ripped the bandaid off, and I think he did the right thing by not passing on the war to a fifth president.
0: I respect him for that. And that concludes this episode of Gen Zer's Talk Politics. Be sure to join our Discord server, follow us on Instagram at Gen Zers Talk Politics, and on Twitter at Gen Zero's Talk Poly with an I. And add or email us to ask your burning questions.
1: Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you next time.